You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 218. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Aaron, I am really excited today because, I mean, I, okay, I know this is a really, this is a very, this is not the kind of announcement that... Um, would would get most people going, well, but like don't don't undersell I, yourself here. Okay, okay, this is very exciting for me because I've been working on this for years. Academic paper, brand new one, right here, out into the public, hot off the press, hot off the press, and you have no idea how long it took me to do this. <laughs> well, I, I, let's 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 dive right in because uh, be, before before we get to the meat and and uh, meat and potatoes the, the the meat of the discussion on this yeah um is this in fact the same paper that that you mentioned uh in in episode 193 uh when when you announced that you were you were departing from foursquare and and uh your your list of things that you're going to be accomplishing uh on, yeah on your so so check that one off okay know, I, but, I was just I mean, I was thinking 193, that's kind of a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> no, but so that was when I left Foursquare. Okay, so that's not, okay, so that was October. Great. Started in October, worked on it October, November. Then I was distracted for obvious reasons, came back to it. Okay, and it was also a lot harder than I thought. Um, well, so uh, so here's the thing uh, in, in, uh, the, the the cutthroat environment of uh, pursuing tenure at, uh, at at local Max University, you you publish or perish. So <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you got to stay on top of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I am. I I know it's. Uh, I, I wrote local maximum labs on there. Um, am I allowed to do that? I don't know. I did it. <laughs> so uh, what are you going to do? I, I mean, I'm not part of Foursquare Labs anymore. Um, I have no affiliation. I have no interest in going through all the hoops. I just have something to say. And the thing I have to say is to the data science machine learning community. So I want to speak directly to them. And um, I don't know. I'll let my arguments stand on their own merits, I guess. It sounds, sounds, sounds legit to me. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, a division of, of Local Max Radio Incorporated. Right, 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 right. So, I mean... I, does that mean that, like, if I upload this to um, ResearchGate or it's uploaded to Archive, uh, if this is there, um, can I say, like, this is my official affiliation and I have an affiliation? Or are they going to be like, you know, I'm a little questioning this, uh, but maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just be, hey, that, that, that's official. Why not? Yeah, I, I I don't know enough about uh, uh, publishing yeah. in the academic world to know whether that would be an issue, but th- there are certainly plenty of businesses whose uh, uh, you know address of record is a postbox uh, in in Maryland. So oh, yeah. uh, th- th- this this seems no less uh, contrived than that. For also, sure. Foursquare Labs was just you know we were worked at the company and we put papers out, so we just wrote it. But like it's not like they were accredited with anything. So it's the same thing here. Yeah, I I know my company has a a, a labs group, which yeah. is is where they're doing kind of the the quote unquote cutting edge research. Uh, but but I couldn't tell you much about how that's legally and or or uh, academically structured in a formal sense. I don't think it works as I don't think it's um I I, I don't you, you don't have as, to be accredited. It's, yeah, I don't think it's as yeah. top down as we think it is. I think you could. I think a lot of this stuff, especially what we're doing here, is. Um, it could be on the basis of your arguments, which I hope uh, I hope I've laid out the story uh, pretty uh, well and pretty straightforward here. Uh, well, in, we in true fashion, we have already gone off on a odd tangent <laughs> yeah, this that is, is, not that is of minimal relevance to the subject at hand. Yeah, here. I've so. got to apologize to the audience. Okay, yeah, keep, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Let's, Let's talk about the actual uh, paper. So the the paper itself it is sampling bias correction for supervised machine learning, a Bayesian inference approach with practical applications. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a handful, uh, a handful, a mouthful. Uh, that's what we get for doing these at one in the morning. So, um, you want me to break it down a little bit? Yeah. So, so we, we, we can, we can dive into the abstract in a minute, but yeah, let's, let's dissect that, that title for a second. Okay. Supervised machine learning is, I think the largest branch of machine. Well, 
I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's definitely the first branch of machine learning that you're um, that that you're exposed to in any textbook and stuff. And basically, what supervised machine learning is is I want to learn a function. You know, I'm giving you an input. You give me an output. And um, as I say in the paper, usually I write some code to do that. But now it's like I want the machine to learn how to give get input from the output. So whether it's you know whether it's some math thing that I want the machine to learn or whether it's I want it to learn to give me back uh, strings or labels, like I want it to learn to label images or something like that. I want it to learn to give me a, the correct response to a problem uh, for some small set of problems. And so what supervised machine learning is, is that you give it a bunch of examples and it uses those examples to pick a, uh, a, a, a to pick a function, to pick a calculation that solves the problem that it thinks fits those examples best. And then that's your model. And then it has learned, it has learned that this is, this is, this is going to work given the data. that. You so, so to, to grossly oversimplify this, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's like a much fancier version of when, uh, you, you plot your data from, uh, an experiment in middle school physics, uh, or chemistry lab in Excel, and then you you tell it to uh, to, to to solve for a trend line, and so it's right. taking your data in and it's coming up with an equation that fits that data and describes it. And obviously, yes. much much more complex uh, types of data sets that you're looking at here, but right. but same basic principle. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, so in that case, the set of solutions are linear functions. You're only considering those, but there are a lot of them. There are infinite number of them that you can select. And so it looks at your data, which is like points, I guess, in your chemistry experiment. And it says, okay, here are the, uh, the lines that I think bet best fit those points. Um, as, um, if you want to look at it another way, I think a great way to look at it was, um, given by, um, given by Sophie Carr in episode 105, when she said Bayesian inference is like a giant game of guess who. And I kind of extended that to probabilistic guess who, where it's like, if you look at the line of best fit, if you see some of those points, some of those lines get completely eliminated and other lines are like, oh, okay, maybe that's not so bad. So that's sort of, that's sort of how it does it. And it's got to search that space to find a really good solution. Um, sort of like we were searching that space in episode four when we were <laughs> um, solving that cipher that uh, you were building for me. Um, so, okay, that's supervised machine learning. I think we got that down. We haven't really been um, uh, explaining these things for a while, so it's good to get back into it. Um, so, what is sampling bias now? Okay, so I'm giving you I'm giving you data that you have to learn from. But what if I've removed some of the data? What if it's like you know, it, and it, it doesn't look like the data that you're going to interact with in the real world uh, because there's a bias. Some of it's been removed, or it could just be that like, hey, the data I have. And the data that I'm going to, uh, and, and, and the conditions that I'm going to um, be interacting with in the real world are just different, okay? And so that could be a problem. In fact, I mean, look, it's always true, almost always true, that the data that you're training on and the data that uh, the, the conditions that you're going to use your model on in the real world have some difference, some subtle difference, usually. And sometimes it's not a problem at all. But in this case, we're looking at a problem where like a whole class of, um, of, of data points has been taken out and it's not necessarily, uh, they haven't been taken out evenly. It's not like I randomly moved, removed 10% of the data because then you're still learning the same thing. You just have less to learn from. But like, it, what if I took out 10%, but I focused it on certain, um, you know, in, in certain areas, like certain certain points on that line. And so you might learn a different trend line, for example. So, um, so, so that's bias, uh, that's sampling bias to, to, to those who've, who've followed us, uh, in, in some of the, the back catalog episodes we've, we've talked about bias before to some extent. Yeah. Um, but, but just to make clear that, that we're not necessarily talking about, uh, the type of bias that, that is, that is often discussed in a, uh, sociological or political context in, in the modern day. Um, although you often do hear about, uh, people talking about bias in AI, uh, intersecting with that kind of bias. So we're, we're not talking about, you know, necessarily racial bias or gender bias. This, this is, although uh, it could be the case that part of the problem is, uh, you know, 
uh, I think you mentioned in the paper somewhere that that uh, could be applicable to medical data, for example. That, right. That maybe maybe you did a a, a a medical study and there's lots of data on a particular procedure, but it was done at a hospital in uh, New York City, uh, which has a, a a certain distribution of uh, of you know ethnicities and and income levels, which may not match. Uh, if you were to try and apply the results of the study to uh, a hospital in Texas. Sure, sure, uh, yes. So, so, so the- you, you may have biased data in that case, or or maybe, you know, for whatever reason, uh, a certain group of that uh, study population was then removed from the study for, I, I can't come up with a good hypothetical there, but, but you know, some of the data yeah. was excised, and you know well, about that. Okay, yeah, yeah, what if, um, right, right, uh, I mean, what if... Uh, you know, some people, uh, let's say it's a medical thing, and whether you allow your results to be used depend on what your results were or something. Hmm. You know, that well, could have happened. Would, would, would this be an, uh, an applicable use case? So I, I know but that's, GDPR has, has yeah. become a big deal in the last, has, has it been a decade already? I, I don't know how far back that goes, but um, maybe more maybe like five years. Decade, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so you could have a theory, a situation where all of your European data has been removed from from a sample set, and and yeah. is is that the type of thing that you could uh, compensate for with with this type of approach? Right, right. So, yeah. So, so it's interesting how, how you talk about this different senses of the word bias. I think we're talking about the same word. I don't think. I think the bias that I'm using here is the same type of bias that you talk about in the social political sense. We're just looking at maybe a different aspect of it. Mm. And so, um, uh, yes, I, I think the idea, so, um, uh, the, the, the idea is this, it's that you can correct, if you know what data has been removed, you can correct for it. Um, and I go through the argument on how to do it from a Bayesian sense. And it turns out if from first principles, you can come up with a formula to rederive what you can learn on the, um, uh, on the original data set. Now, so so there's some. I caveats. want you to, to yeah. explain more about how that gets done. But be, but before we go there, yeah. uh, so you you mentioned that 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 if you know what was removed or right. or how the data was sampled, uh, what what if you have limited knowledge on that? Like how how much how how comprehensive does your understanding of of the sampling or the bias have to be for this uh, approach to be applicable? Right. So. This paper assumes that you have the sampling function. So, uh, so you and, don't necessarily have the original data, but you know what what algorithm or, or function was used to sample right. from the original data. And it focuses on uh, only a specific class of sampling functions. So um, uh, that class of sampling functions is that the probability of inclusion is based on what the what the data is. So there could be a function from... Input, you could use the input or the output. And so you could have a function from that to a probability of inclusion. And so if you have a sampling function like that to model it, then you can apply this method. Um, and again, I think that's the best way to describe it. Again, this is what's interesting about this show is I think we're doing like a first pass of explaining this in audio. And so <laughs> maybe I'll do a uh, maybe I'll do a little uh, lecture on it and, and uh, I'll, I'll be better at it. But I, I think this is good. I think um, now the question is, OK, there's some things in like future um, future work. On, on what if you want to sample differently? Right. And then also it's like, OK, well, what if I don't have the sampling function at all? And that is um, that's going to be a lot more difficult. So. I suppose what you could do is if you can kind of imagine what the sampling function might be and then use this uh, technique and then see what you get. And so you can kind of like uh, play around with it. This gives you a tool that allows you to play around with it. But uh, that case is going to require a lot more thinking. I'm not solving all your all of our problems here. <laughs> so is 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 the the general concept as 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 simple as if you have the the resulting data set and you have the function that was used to sample from the the original data set that you can kind of run it in reverse through the function and get a not necessarily identical to the original data set but you can get something that is that is comparable to it um or or, or is there a a, a a nuance in there that that i'm i'm glancing over which which makes this far more complex yes yes so um when you lose data your results will degrade now, not always. Um, 
look, let's look at your linear regression example, line of best fit. If you have so many points, you know, if you just, you could have a line of best fit where you just have billions and billions of points, and you could see that line very clearly, and you remove half the data, you remove 99% of the data, that line might still be exactly the same, and that might be fine. Um, and it actually might make no difference. Um, but obviously, if you have, if, if data is scarce, uh, then um, if you lose data, uh, your results aren't going to be as good. Or in the Bayesian sense, really what it means is you're going to have trouble distinguishing between different models. So if we look at like, if your model is a line, then now it's like, okay, I, I don't have a single line that I know is the answer. I have a bunch of lines that kind of all be the answer. Um, so there's it, no way it around it. It kind of has me thinking back to, um, and, and we may have talked about this in the context of, yeah. of GANs and AI, um, but the, there was there was some sort of tool that it would take uh, a photo and it would it would pixelate it. And then from the highly pixelated version, it would reconstruct uh, what it thinks the original is. And and, and sometimes uh, I think there was an example with like what, taking what Obama's photo and, and it got no, pixelated and then turned into somebody completely different and, and just showing that like, yeah, if, yeah. if, if you, if you remove an, enough, enough bits of information, so to speak from, from the sample you're looking at, then, then yeah, what you reconstruct is, is going to be of limited fidelity to the original. But, right. Right. So uh, uh, what I'm thinking about is, is a situation like this where, you know, let's say, um, let's say we remove some of the answers. So let's say, um, and, and this, this is good to get into some of the examples. One of the motivating examples is image recognition, right? And so I sort of imagine that you have a bunch of uh, photos of animals. Let's say, to make it easier, there's one animal per photo. And you're trying to classify them as lion or not lion. Okay. And you have a few photos of lions and you have a lot of photos that are not lions. Now, let's say you remove a lot of the non-lion photos because you're like, that's, you know, there's, there, that's too much data. Let's remove them. And then you learn on the remaining data. It might start to say like, hey, these, this lion thing is really common uh, when really it isn't. But if you know that those have been sampled out evenly, unevenly, then um, you should be able to work backward and say, okay, actually, lions are not that much common because, um, you know, because we sampled that out, uh, but we have less data on non-lions than, uh, than we used to. Another example that I could give that I didn't put here is, let's suppose, let's suppose we're stratifying by gender and we have some kind of um, line of best fit. Here's a good example, a, a, a height versus weight line. Try to predict the height on the weight. And I think that's going to be different based on gender. I assume it is, right? Yeah. So um, I don't know exactly how different it is. Uh, but um, so uh, let's suppose that um, let's suppose that it's filtered in a certain way, but like for some reason, let's say with the with men, like tall people tend to be filtered out more, and with women, short people tend to be filtered out more. Just just that's how the sampling function worked. I you know for whatever reason. And if that's the case, then it could take that into account mm. for sure. So, but if the amount of data has shrunk so much, it might not really be able to figure out what those lines are. It, but what, what I'm doing is getting you the best Bayesian result based on what you know. So I, I don't know. So it take out a... the bias, but it might have a, a wide, uh, it might have a wide, like uh, wide variance. I, I don't know if there's a, a, a term for the the type of case that you described with the uh, the height weight uh, correlation, um, but the the previous one with with line or not line the the sampling case you talked about it 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 sounded like the uh, the the bias uh, the at least the primary bias there was was a base rate bias which, right which right. we talked about before in the context which of is the actually analysis. which is actually kind of what I had in mind with this paper because this originally came up um, when I was working at Foursquare and I was trying to predict when people visit uh, a chain like Starbucks and yes some people visit Starbucks every day but in general for a given person uh, given person day, we have a lot more examples of people not visiting Starbucks than visiting Starbucks. And then, you know, when you go to places like Home Depot or whatever, it's, it's even more. So 
you don't want to train on all those non-visits. Uh, mm. So we kind of just threw a lot of them out and then ran it through bias correction. And then it's fine. But bias correction was extremely important in that case because we were measuring the effectiveness of the ad and we had to be like very precise uh, in order to figure out like, you know, how how well that that ad actually worked. So so this was was part of the attribution work. Yes. Um, OK, interesting. Yeah. And yeah. actually, um, I cite our uh, uh, we had a patent on that. And I cited that in the paper. So that's the first citation for that patent. And um, I'm pretty sure the attribution at Foursquare worked completely different now after we merged with Placed, even though this worked help, helped us merge with Placed. But, um, but it doesn't matter. That's how it used to work. So, uh, and and, and it's, a, it's, it's a widely applicable thing. So I think it's worth noting. So, uh, in, in, in the abstract, you, you, when you talk about sample bias, uh, the, the term label imbalance is mentioned, does that yes. map to one of the things we talked about or is that, yes. is that an additional category? Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, label imbalance is exactly that way more days that I don't visit Disneyland than days when I do visit Disneyland. In gotcha. the case of lion photos, way more animal photos that are not lions than are lions. Um, all, a, a lot of machine learning is trying to, um, the response is either a one or a zero, and the one is very rare. You're trying to pick out a rare event. And so you might have lots and lots of data, and sometimes you want you, you don't want to remove any examples of those rare events because they're, they're, so, um, they're so valuable. Uh, to learn because the, the example I give in the paper, you know, once you start taking away lion photos and you have very few left, you really can't learn what a lion is. And you could kind of make an analogy to human learning. Like if you don't have a lot of examples of something, you might not be able to figure out what it is at all. So, um, you know, yeah, we, I, we run into major overfitting, underfitting problems. Yeah. With an, another thing we talked about in some of those early episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what you can do is you could remove the negative example. And then, then you have that label imbalance. Um, it's, it's not so much that you're fixing the, the label imbalance, although you are, but you're sort of shrinking the data down so that your algorithm can run faster because a lot of machine learning algorithms either require running through all the data which and several different times, which could be crazy if you're, if you're running like a batch algorithm, um, or even if you're running like you know, a, a gradient descent algorithm that's stochastic, which means it's taking a small sample of the data at once, you're going to be able to learn a better model faster if you're getting the examples that you need. So um, you really want to, uh, in many of these cases, kind of just remove all this extraneous data that's sort of useless. Um, like, I don't think, like, just, just, the line coming back to the lion example, let's say you're trying to teach your kids about uh, lions, right? And you have a book on lions and you have 30 books on elephants. Wouldn't it be better to show them here's a book on lions and here's a book on elephants? But if you show them like lions and then 30 books of, ele of elephants, do you think that would help them learn lion better? Probably not. Yeah. Pro pro probably would be a little bit overkill. Yeah, it's the same thing with with um, with machine learning. Now, a lot of these these algorithms are not going to be hurt by the thirty books of of uh, elephants, um, although, as a human probably would. Um, although some algorithms actually would get hurt um, by doing that, but um, but I'm assuming they wouldn't. Uh, but I'm also assuming that there's a lot of data that's fed into these algorithms that's actually useless in terms of helping the machine learn and. That's kind of an area of future research, which is how do we, um, and, and obviously research has been done on this specifically in the field of active learning, but the question is like, how do we figure out what data is useful and what data is useless before we include it in the model and, and, and measure that, you know, because that's very expensive. Hmm. Yeah. Being, being able to pre-filter that in a, in a less lossy way would, would be, uh, Quite useful. Yeah, yeah. So, I I, I had a note here uh, about um, kind of the, the the conditions where this is is particularly useful, or or more where uh, the the bias the biasing of data is, 
is is particularly a uh, a, a problem that you're trying to attack there. Um, what 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 were you know? Did you run into any any edge cases or or particular instances where that 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 motivated this specifically? Yeah. Uh, and so so you, I mean, you talked a little bit about the the attribution case, but yeah, that's exactly but, what it was. Yeah, but but when trying to think through the attribution case, and, and the reason why I found this interesting was because it wasn't at all obvious um, how to do it, um, and a lot of people suggested doing an ad hoc method where you train the model first on the bias data. And then afterwards, you add a correction term. And it turns out that's the wrong thing to do. The right thing to do is to kind of base it in, uh, um, bake it into the posterior distribution when you're running uh, Bayesian analysis. And um, basically, um, you know, um, make your adjustments that way. Um, And coming up with the formula for it, again, wasn't obvious. You really had to be very clear in your thinking and... That's what that's what we did when we we went to to the whiteboard and really figured out what's going on, and this is the result of that. And then we realized, hey, it doesn't just apply in this case; it applies in many other cases. Um, it could apply in case where, because uh, in this case, we we bias the data, so we knew how to do it. But it also applies in cases where you know how the data was biased and you weren't the one who who did it, um, and so it it could uh, it could apply uh, across the board. So, so something you just mentioned there, and, and it pops yeah. up right in the abstract, is is uh, that that the way you're doing this is is uh, by by altering the posterior distribution uh, in in your your Bayesian inference framework. So right. so let's let's take a minute and refresh our memories on on the, right, the posterior term. distribution. Okay, okay. So these distributions can be thought of as um, as beliefs as to which model is the right one. Uh, so in the case of linear regression, as you put out before, you've got a bunch of lines, you've got an infinite number and you want to know a distri- probability distribution over them. Uh, and you have a prior, you're like, okay, I think it might be, you know, one of these lines. Uh, and so essentially you, you basically have a, a big mathematical space of models and your distribution is, I mean, one way to think about it is each one of them is assigned number. And so that's kind of the relative likelihood of each one. Um, and so uh, it, it, it essentially encodes your beliefs over which one is the right one. And we have to assume one is the right one, even though that's, that's not true, but that, that makes this whole thing possible. So you have your, you set a prior on everything onto which one is the right one, and which could be, uh, you know, you could use an uh, in, in, indifferent prior, a, um, a, what's it called? A, a, uh, uh, I have the, I have the, the, the vocab term right here. I've got to, <laughs> I've got to go look it up. It's a, uh, um, it's an uninformative prior. That means like, Hey, I don't know which, which answer is the right one. So I'm going to just going to, uh, I'm going to, uh, pick a ma- mathematical distribution that is maybe convenient. It's got to be open-minded. You know, some of these distributions are more open-minded. Some of these distributions are more closed-minded. So that's where you start out with your prior. Then the data comes in, and then from that, you use Bayes' rule to make the posterior, which is your belief among them, after you've gathered the data. So if you think about it in terms of guess who, it's another one I like, prior is all of the cards are up, posterior is, you know, a bunch of your cards are down. Um, and so, you know, if you think about it, in interestingly, if, if you do kind of a Bayesian version of, um, you know, linear regression, like fitting a best line, you're not actually eliminating any lines, but some of the lines, their probabilities go exceedingly low, like down to zero. And then other ones kind of go up. Now, if you're fitting some more complicated polynomial and you don't have data all the way out here, then, you know, there you're like, well, I don't know if this line is going to go up from here or if it's going to go down from here, right? And so those two, uh, let's say you see li- things that are like mainly linear till here, but like it's possible it, it slopes down, it's possible it slopes up after that, you don't know. Those might have similar probability still yeah, after, well, that, that was after always all the said problem. and done, so they might not eliminate all of them. That, that was always the problem messing with, uh, with, with best fits in, in Excel, 
right. back in the days that you can just add more polynomial factors and, and, and you'll get a real wiggly line that hits all your points. But once you get outside of the narrow window where you have sampled data, is is that line indicative of, of anything representative at all? Right, right. And, and, and so that's, that's a classic overfit. <laughs> Yeah, and Bayesian, uh, the Bayesian version of linear regression is is kind of different than what we're thinking about. Whereas the Bayesian terms of linear regression is it's a line. Whoops, sorry, it's a line, but it's really more of a um, uh, it's really more of a tunnel where each point in the line has like a a normal distribution around it, and so like you know. It, that can widen and shrink uh, depending on are there points that are really far, are there points really close in. So there's all sorts of things that you can do with that. Um, but as an example of bias correction, let me give that example again, where you don't know if the line over here slopes up or slopes down. Um, but let's suppose that all of the points that show it sloping down have been removed. Um, and then there are no points, then it'll know that, it probably slopes down because those have been removed. Or if it sees lines that show it slopes up, but it knows the ones sloping down have been removed, then it might not make a decision. So it's um, it, it kind of figures that out it is what the point of this paper is. So so we've we've kind of touched on on so, the edges of, yeah, so of what's going uh, oh, on wait, here. I, I think I need to cl uh, close the loop. There okay. is that the posterior distribution has a formula. It's Bayes' rule. It's a pretty straightforward formula. Posterior distribution is um, proportional to the likelihood times the prior. Yeah, I, we don't have to get into that there, but it's a straightforward formula. When you correct for the sampling bias function, it's. Um, uh, I think after you read this paper, it's kind of straightforward, but it's actually not as straightforward. And um, you, there's kind of a subtle... Um, there's kind of a, a, a subtle mathematical quirk in it. And so, uh, basically this goes into how to derive that. And so now you have your posterior, you have a new posterior to correct for that bias and posterior is what the learning is based off of. Like if you're trying to learn a model, you know, whether it's like deep learning or whatever, um, you're, you know, you're searching that space of models and you're looking at the posterior to see, is this good or not? So, uh, that's, that's, that's where everything that, that, that's where all the learning algorithms, uh, base their answers on. So it's, it's I, great. To I was going to ask if you, yeah. if you want to go into the, the nitty gritty of the math on this, uh, but that maybe that's a little out of the scope of what we want to talk about here. And, and, and that can be yeah. addressed in more detail in a, in, in a later, right. uh, adventure. I think there's one interesting part, which is, um, sort of, um, what the, the, the what's it called? It's not a thought experiment. Is it more of a, is it a thought experiment or more of a thought? Um, I feel like there's a word for it. Um, uh, but anyway, in terms of getting the mathematical formula, uh, you kind of have to take that sampling and you think of it as sampling, right? Hey, I'm getting this data and then each one um, deciding whether it's in the set or not in the set. Um, you kind of, uh, I think the crux of it is kind of this thought experiment on page seven, where we turn it into a generative description of how the data was generated. And it's basically like, okay, we got the input, the model produced the output. Then we put it through a sampling function and the sampling function told us whether it was accepted or not. And then if it wasn't accepted, we went back to the beginning. And so we kind of use this flow chart to create an equation. And it's not just any equation, it's a recursive equation, because part of that whole description is go back to the beginning. So it's like, you know, uh, x equals a bunch of things with x in it. And then you use your algebra to solve that equation for x and uh, get the answer. So that's, the, that's kind of the crux of it. It's a kind of a, an interesting way to solve a problem. And I actually think it doesn't take a whole lot of background other than, well, I feel like it, it takes calculus to understand the, um, uh, you know, the, the continuous version of this stuff. But if you just want to read it and just look at like the discrete version, um, you might be able to understand it with just, you know, kind of high school math. So, Presumably, you guys uh, applied this uh, in 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 work at Foursquare. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this was basically my thing, so I I did this. Was 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 that? I mean, and but a lot of people, 
more people did attribution. So, yeah. And, and, and I guess you, you, you did this in software and in some sense, but is, is this, uh, this method something that, that there exists like, you know, a, 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 a pack, you know, a pop, a software package or, or a plugin, uh, that, that implements it or, or if, if someone wanted to take this paper, uh, and, and use this on, on their own data sets, they, they, they would have to implement it from, from what you've described here. Yeah. Yeah. They'd have to implement it from what we described here. Uh, there are a lot of software packages that say, give me the, um, give me the posterior distribution or give me the log of the posterior distribution, use the minus log of the posterior distribution. And, I'll give you the answers. And so, okay, all you have to do is use this technique, put it in your posterior distribution. You should be good uh, to go. So yeah, I, if anyone uh, out there actually applies that, I definitely want to hear about it. Um, and um, it's, uh, I, I hope people do. I, and yeah, I'm sure people have done similar things already, uh, particularly awesome. for logistic regression. But this really solves the, the, the general problem. And and you mentioned earlier that that there's some some future work that you outline here. Is yeah. is that something that you're you're planning on pursuing in in the near future here, or you're more laying out for for others who might be interested in in exploring in in that direction? Well, I don't know if you remember this, but like there was a time when I was working this, and I was like pulling out my hair because like I couldn't solve problems, and I was on the phone with you, and you said, "Oh no 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 no." It's okay, Max. Don't worry about it. Just put it in future work, <laughs> and uh, you'll be fine. And so that's uh, that's what I did. Now that doesn't mean there's not going to be any future work. And I think that um, some of these things I might return to. I don't know if they're going to be a full paper like this. It might be a shorter paper that I don't put on archive. I just put on the website as uh, Local Maximum Labs, or um, it might be that some of this stuff I don't get to because I'll be onto different things. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think there is one problem in future work that really bothers me. Um, should should I tell you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's the first one, which is simple random sampling. Okay, so I looked at a case where it's like, um, okay, let's suppose we kept all the positive examples, but we removed 90% of the negative examples, right? This allows us to fix it. But what if instead I say, okay, we're going to take exactly 100,000 positive examples and exactly 100,000 negative examples. And we know what proportion of the full data set each of those is. So the question is, can I just use those numbers? Because what we're doing there is not exactly the same. And I couldn't really, I had trouble like proving that mathematically. And I feel like, so I just left it up to future work, but I kind of, I felt like I should have been able to do it. Um, so yeah, it, 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 it bothers me. I feel like if you use the same formulas that we developed here for simple random sampling, it would be so close that it would be, um, that, that if not exactly correct, it would be indistinguishably correct would be my guess, but I'm not sure it's exactly correct. I feel like there's some nuance in there where, uh, it's like, okay, what, what's the probability you picked? this exact hundred thousand. And now you're talking about permutations and something with the math. I was just not quite comfortable saying that it's the same. And so I don't know, maybe someone else can answer that for me, but uh, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to answer that question, but I don't think it's an unsolvable question. Well, certainly be interesting to see if, if there's any, any follow on work uh, referencing this, that, that uh, perhaps nails that down further. Yeah. yeah. Actually uh, a follow on work that wasn't mentioned here is actually something surprising that's completely different is um, I talk a lot about um, I talk a lot about proportions here because they're not equations. It's just this function is proportional to this function. That means, you know, if you multiply it by something, uh, they're proportional. And I feel like um, there's a lot of work that can be done on the notation of proportionality and looking at these proportions and understanding them as well as equations, because I feel like there's actually a lot of nuance there uh, that is kind of specific to machine learning that maybe mathematicians have known about, but haven't like, you know, the notation is a little clunky. Uh, And so I'm trying, I I almost want to look at that um, um, to, to a certain degree because it's an interesting problem. Hmm. It's um, um, there's a lot of interesting nuances there. Uh, for example, 
Um, if you want to look at like a probability space, right? Let's suppose I I could have one model that's like um, infinitely more probable than another, um, you know. But let's suppose this model is infinitely more probable than two models. Can you compare those two models? Um, in fact, you can assign their comparison anything, and it would still be consistent. But you could also say they're uncomparable. There's all sorts of weird things that happen with these probability measures uh, that have to be squared with the actual practice of machine learning. And so I, I would love to look at that. Um, now on archive itself, I'm only, uh, I'm only allowed to post for machine learning because many years ago, somebody endorsed me. In fact, uh, Tassos <laughs> endorsed me. He was on a, a past episode, but uh, I don't know how to get the endorsement for math, but maybe someone can, uh, can do that for me, but no rush because it's going to take me a while to do this. And plus, this is not my only project. Wouldn't it be nice to create a whole lab with like tons of people working and we like pump out a lot of this stuff, but uh, that's not what we have here today. Not yet. I mean, yes, yes. Uh, we have a few, you know, we have a few people, but. Uh, so, so you, you, you mentioned a couple of times that, that this will, this will be on, uh, was it, was it archive? Uh, but, but what's, what's going to be the easiest way to find this paper sampling bias correction for supervised machine learning, a Bayesian inference approach with practical applications. Well, for right now, uh, let's just keep it at the show notes page because that it will certainly be there before we find the, 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 the final home for it. So that's going to be localmaxradio.com slash 218, 218. Uh, so that's, uh, that's it. Always, always point to the show notes page. <laughs> awesome. All right. I think, I mean, I, I think we, we got through it. Do you have any more questions about this before we, uh, before we wrap up, I, I mean, how how does how does it feel to 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 be to be done with it? Oh yeah, let's just talk about the process of it. So this was really hard to write. Um, I would go through. Uh, this happened in October. I started going through like the whole paper, and I have it all marked up with all sorts of errors, um, and um, I'd fix the errors, and then I print it out again. And, and presumably at this point you weren't looking, yeah. you weren't finding mathematical errors. Like, oh yes, I was. Well, like in in yeah. in the theory was wrong, or just you 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 hadn't explained it clearly. Uh, no, like even even as 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 even like last week, I was finding like a subscript that I used the wrong letter, you know, things like that, and I'd be like, "There's an S sub n in my equation." I never defined S sub N. What is that? It turned out it was X sub N and somehow I kept, I had S and then I copied and pasted it all over the place. And so I was finding those errors. I find grammatical errors, things I wanted to change, things that were unclear. And then you'd print it out again. I'm, I'm saying you, cause you're imagining how crazy this is uh, and mark it up again. And why, why am I printing out and marking it up too? Uh, that's, that's another interesting question. And then there's the same number of markings. So it like doesn't get better. <laughs> and um, it took a really, really, really long time in order to get this, uh, to get this to a place where I wanted it. But I wanted it to be well-written because this wasn't for, you know, um, this wasn't for um, to get a PhD. This wasn't, um, you know, for, uh, it wasn't like there was a goal to clear some hurdles. It was written because I actually want people to read it. And so that was important to me. And so um, actually, can I just read the first two paragraphs? Yeah, I, kinda, yeah. I really like the first two paragraphs. So this is the, the introduction? Yeah. Uh, developing algorithms is a central task in computer science. Each algorithm is a series of precise instructions to compute a given mathematical function f. This works great when the programmer has these precise instructions available, but not when a function is only partially known or if it is too complex for even a large team. Machine learning was developed in part as a response to this problem to extend the ultimate reach of software. And I don't know. I just like that introduction. I, like, I feel like, oh, that's, uh, that, gives me the, um, that, that gives me the motivation for why we're doing machine learning. And then I start... As I get forward, I get into more specifics of, of what type of machine learning I'm talking about here. But um, I I just want it to be fun to read uh, because uh, – and um, I also want it to be easy to – yeah, you could like skim through to – I don't know what it is, like equation nine and get the – get the let me make sure that it's actually equation <laughs> nine. But it's um, – I, I looked over this so many times, but it keeps changing the equation number. Uh, no, it's not equation nine. Yeah, uh, it's um, – Equation eight, 
log likelihood loss with the sampling function. So basically, it's easy for someone to just use it if they want to, but it's also fun to read. And so I that that was important to me. And so that's why it took a long time. But again, not again, but it's like, how often can I do this? I don't know. It was a lot of work. Maybe I could, maybe it gets easier, but it's still kind of hard. It's way harder than I expected. Yeah, and 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 I mean, it's it's what uh, thir- thirteen pages, in, including references. So it's yeah, it's it's not uh, you know not a massive tome that that uh, you people won't be able to get through. Um, and and it is technical, but it's but it's not written to be completely uh, uh, o- opaque. So you know, don't right. don't let it scare you off. Um, and now you mentioned that you, you, you want people to read it to, to, to hopefully find ways to use it. Uh, do you have any, any other plans, uh, other than the obvious, you know, talking about it here on the show, uh, to, to kind of get word out about it, um, to, to get some visibility for, for the paper itself? Yeah. So I think I'll do a quick blog post. I'll put it up there. We'll have the show. I have it on archive and I'll probably do a demonstration of it at the board. Another thing about this paper is it actually just turns out to be a really great introduction to machine learning. So if you're curious about machine learning, particularly supervised machine learning, and you want a Bayesian, uh, you want to learn it the Bayesian way, then section three of this paper just goes through this and you'll know it. And, you know, this is the same, you know, it's kind of the, uh, it kind of sets up my variables and stuff. And it's the way, um, you know, the, the same explanation will appear in a lot of textbooks and things like that, but um, I thought it came together pretty well. And so I'll probably also do a video of that, um, maybe, uh, you know, at the whiteboard over here, and we'll start getting some, uh, we'll start getting some uh, local maximum, maximum lectures that are not part of the regularly scheduled podcast, and that, that'll be exciting. And uh, maybe as part of that, I'll also go into the bias correction section. Awesome. So hopefully people watch these videos. I feel like um, those lecture videos sometimes get more views, but I uh, I don't know. I, I need to figure out on, on locals and uh, on um, YouTube and Odyssey how to like up those numbers because the podcast numbers aren't bad, but um, those, and they're public, so I can't hide from them. <laughs> you know, 10, 20 people uh, view these videos. So I, I kind of wish there's more. Maybe it's just people prefer listening to it on the podcast, but I feel like the lectures at the whiteboard, people are going to have to look at the video. So hopefully people are going to be searching for that. And when I did the video seven years ago or eight years ago on the uh, Dirichlet distribution, which is the last paper like this that I, I did, uh, like, you know, eight years ago in 2014 was the last time I published the archive. Um, the paper got a lot of citations and, um, also the video got a lot of views. Now the video was part of a different channel, so maybe it was the channel, but also I think people were searching for it. And, um, I think this is a more well-written paper, well-written paper. So hopefully this will get more, uh, more citations as well. There was a guy in his, um, and some of these citations are funny, like it has nothing to do with what I wrote in the paper. But there was a guy who did who cited me in his uh, PhD thesis, and he's got like a whole section, like Sklar says this, Sklar says that, and it's like <laughs> uh, it's amazing. It's uh, it's pretty fun to read. I might uh, maybe maybe I should look up who that is and have him on the local maximum. Very neat. Yeah. yeah, and 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 talking of of you know whiteboard videos, yeah, we'll we'll certainly have to. Uh explore with with a slightly different format there and 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 work out the kinks but uh yeah yeah could could be some interesting stuff to do with that yeah it's not gonna be um how should i put it like i i i want it to be lightweight on my end i just want to be able to go up and say some things and um videos are nice you could skip some parts if i get distracted or whatever so hopefully uh you know, hopefully I'll be able to make these and not be such a perfectionist about it because there's a reason why I haven't started. <laughs> I mean, I guess I haven't started because I'm working on this, but you know, maybe we can do better. Well, yeah, with, with, with that hurdle cleared, uh, then, then, uh, there's, there's potential for some exciting next steps. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. We, uh, are, are we going to, uh, adjourn for the day? I, I think so. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, uh, the closing remarks, uh, you know, what, any, any additional takeaways that you want to draw our attention to here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, if you, I I think there is tremendous value in thinking about 
machine learning from first principles. And as we've explored on this podcast, there's also tremendous values of talking about machine learning. You know, even if you're not in the field as a person, to just try to understand the world and try to understand, you know, learning in general. Um, and, uh, so yeah, if you're, if you're interested at all in machine learning, give it a read. I think you'll learn a lot. Um, I think, um, it will kind of clarify your, your thinking a little bit. Maybe you'll disagree with the way I think about it and have, have your own comments. Uh, so I, I, I'd love to hear them. So, um, we can, uh, with that call things to a close, remember it's called sampling bias correction for machine learning available now at localmaxradio.com slash 218. Also, uh, make sure that you uh, uh, go on our locals and join the discussion as well. One member of locals who is a paying subscriber, and it's not much, it's $4 a month, has said it's the best $4 he ever spent (laughs) uh, because he has access to us. We talk to people on there all the time. And uh, you could also talk to kind of like-minded people who also listen to the show. So, so I was going to ask, uh, yeah. and obviously uh, going on the locals is, is one way that, that folks could reach out. But if there's feedback specifically on this paper, uh, what, what, is, what is the best way to, uh, to, to get in touch with you about that? Um, you could go to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Awesome. That's the best way. So, yeah, um, a second best way. Best way, subscribe <laughs> to Locals, uh, Give you know, even for a month. Um, yeah, no, that's the best way. All right, great. So here we have it. Got to fund the research somehow, right? Here we have it. All right. I think we're going to uh, wrap it up with that. And uh, we're good? Yeah. We're good to go. Yeah, this was fun. All right. This was very fun. Yes. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at Maximum.Locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at LocalMaxRadio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to LocalMaxRadio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power. Thank you.